Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of August 2010. Now newcomers should look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and bookmark all those other sites you see I have listed there on the front page for future use. If you get sticking on downloads, by the way, and audio downloads, try these alternate sites too. And remember, they all have the same audios. They all have a lot of transcripts of the talks I've given for prints up in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, and you'll find them there. And while you're at it too, go into the articles I have for sale, the books and discs I have for sale. Uh, that's the, the means by which I trickle by day to day, basically. Uh, and you can purchase these books. These are different than the usual books on histories and so on. I try to deprogram you as you're reading them because we've been taught to think in a linear fashion. And a computer programmer really knows his computer. He knows what the answer will be before he feeds in the question. He knows the program. He knows its logic. He knows its language. He knows the conclusion it must come to. And that's how we are taught from school onwards. We're not taught really logic, uh, and we're not taught how to reason even uh, without emotion. And we're taught to think in a linear fashion, very much like mathematics. You'll always come to the, the desired conclusion that your masters want. So buy the books that will help you start the deprogramming process and you'll notice an awful lot of about around you in your daily life that you never noticed before. You'll also see how other people are so incredibly brainwashed themselves just as you were yourself at one time. And there's discs there for, for sale as well. There's, uh, some, some of these discs have 40 or 50 shows on them. And it's good to have those too, because who knows? The way they're throwing out laws on the internet, who knows when one day they'll suddenly pass a law and immediately they'll go into action and down go the sites. That will come one day. So it's good to have standby information for something to reference at least down the road. If there's any children left alive, that is, or if anybody even wants children down the road, you can always pass on the knowledge to them. From the U.S. to Canada, remember, personal checks are good to purchase these items. You can also use PayPal for ordering or donating. Use the donation button and send the appropriate donation and a separate email with a name, address, and the order on it, and I'll get it out to you. An international postal money order is fine from the, from the U.S. to Canada. And across the world, you've, you've got the same idea. You've got some um, cash is good, actually. It saves you money with the expensive wires. Western Union, which is kind of hefty with a wiring fee. Uh, MoneyGram, it's a bit cheaper. I say cash, PayPal for donations and to purchase, and I'll get them out to you. And I really live on occasional donation here and there. It doesn't matter how much it is either, just send it in because lots of people use this stuff. And whoever is mentioned on this show will be on other folks' shows within the next few days. Guarantee it, always the same. But as I say, it's, it's so important to understand where we are, how we've gotten to this part of the agenda. 
the big forces that are all allied together, uh, working together for over a hundred years to bring us here, well over a hundred years in fact, into the planned society. This is the planned society, a world to be controlled by experts, where the people down below don't make any decisions at all, really, for themselves. And uh, they thought that was a great idea over a hundred years ago. Guys like H.G. Wells thought that was just a swell idea. And, of course, the Royal Institute for International Affairs still thinks it's a wonderful idea. And the CFR, its American cousin, doing the same thing. This is a planned society they take down into what they think is a manageable-sized population for a post-industrial era. That's what all this is about, we're going through right now. That's the music coming in, so we'll be back with more after these messages. folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. You know, there's so much to this reality, what we think is reality, uh, and so much work goes into creating this reality that we all take for granted by, and it's, it's done by experts way, way above us, many levels of experts creating the culture, the culture creation involved with education, obviously, as everyone should know by now, the children really are going through an indoctrination process. And every year or so, they up the process a bit more, uh, more radically, I should say, into new areas, new areas. And we always get a tutter, tutter sort of thing, um, tisk, tisk from the parents and articles in the newspaper. Then we adapt into them without thinking because by that time it's normal. Um, it's only un- if you've understood the agenda, do you understand why everything is actually happening? You have to go into the books by Margaret Sanger, written many, many moons ago. She loved Adolf Hitler, she loved uh, Stalin, and she thought the whole socialist idea of ordering people's lives about was a great, swell idea, and she called children weeds. And, of course, she started off Planned Parenthood, too, to get rid of what the undesirable types, the too many of the commoners at the bottom, she thought, and uh, she was just welcomed by people who already thought that in the eugenic society, uh, the more well-to-do aristocratic types. And uh, that was only one little area, in fact, as I say, because everything that's happening today, everything that's happening today, even the onslaughts into what they called free love back in the 60s, which they tried in the 1920s, and we're actually pushing in the late 1800s. Guys like H.G. Wells wrote about it. The need to create free love uh, to destroy marriage altogether. Only then, he said, could government control every individual. You, you would have no loyalty to anyone else on the planet. You see, no partner, no mate. Uh, you would simply be there. Government would be your boss. And only then would they have total control over the populace. That's been pretty well achieved today. We're seeing uh, the dysfunction of uh, people trying to get married. It doesn't last long generally for most folk. They're not mature enough. They're also bombarded by uh, messages, conflicting messages from media and entertainment that uh, is so much more fun just to be promiscuous. And uh, that's what really ends up breaking down their marriages. It's all intentional, of course, because the culture industry must work alongside the agenda big part of it. In fact, Plato talks about that 
in the Republic that um, the culture, and he called it actually in the translation, it's actually called the culture industry, uh, meaning drama on stage, and, the, and people would emulate what they saw. They'd emulate their main characters and music and even the fashion industry as well. Amazing. So the same techniques, as he said himself, will always uh, work with any people in any age if it's been done before. All you have to know is the formula to how to introduce it, and we will do it again. Very simple stuff. And then we have all these incredible think tanks all working for foundations, private foundations, non-elected, of course, who are now advising governments on everything. And they've been doing that for many years now. Uh, the average politician hasn't got any more of a clue how the country works. This is no kidding. They have no more of a clue of how the, everything works than, than you and some other occupation or trade. No more idea at all. And once they get in there and they get their good suit on and all the rest of it, uh, the aides come to them. The aides are there permanently from the bureaucracies. They're always there. They're full-time employees. They're always there regardless of which parties in or out. And they become the advisors. Uh, and plus, appointed advisors are given to all politicians, prime ministers, and, and, and uh, presidents to make sure that they stick to their, their pre-written scripts that are written for them, too, by these advisors, so that the agenda continues smoothly as before. And we have noticed, of course, people have noticed as, back at, as far back as the 50s, 1950s, that it didn't matter what party you voted for, the same world agenda continued. And it's because there, there's no difference in them. They all work. In fact, the whole idea of voting is to keep you involved, making you think that you have a say in things. It's also legality to give power of the government over yourself. That's what you're doing when you vote. You're legally signing your name down to be ruled by someone uh, who, has prom- who hasn't guaranteed you they'll fulfill any promise. You can do whatever they want once they're in. So it's a legality. And they must keep this legality up for quite some time until we're, we're used to being post-democratic. And people are, are already really getting used to that already, post-democratic, since 9-11, with a sort of totalitarian governmental system across the world. And the United Nations is, is taking up more and more of the slack of governing whole regions of the earth. Now, they, they also use a lot of yo-yos. A yo-yo is someone who goes up and down and, and he doesn't really know where he's going, like Prince Charles. Uh, Prince Charles, I can remember, he went to Gordonston School and he couldn't hack it there. It was too rough for him. Uh, it was a very expensive school to put your children to and he couldn't hack the, the rugby and all the rest of it and the cajoling by the youngsters who were there and they had to move him. But he also failed all his exams, always. And the media came up with uh, little articles once in a while to make you think he was good at something get him a private trumpet player at one point, and who said, oh, he's very good at this trumpet, and, and that was the last he heard of it, kind of faded away with a, a sort of B-flat sound. And he went on from one thing to the other, always failing at it. The media came up eventually with uh, the description that Prince Charles was uh, a king without a purpose, really a future king without a purpose, and they were trying desperately back in the 70s to find him a purpose. And so... He, he came out then uh, with uh, some odd statements. He came out and said, well, he started off these strange talks about how he was descended from David. That was one thing. 
He said at another talk he was, he was descended from the Olympians. That was the Greek gods you see lived on Mount Olympus. And uh, people used to wonder about that. You know, Prince Charles, was, was it delusions of grandeur setting in or what? Uh, now we know it was for sure the way he's gone on today. But then he went into his talking to plants thing. And they'd have articles in the paper how he was talking to plants and helping them grow and all the rest of it. And then he was the most eligible bachelor when he was up for grabs. And the PR teams, they hired PR teams of publicity experts to to fake all these um, beach scenes in Australia and different places. They hired dozens of models to run towards them all laughing and giggling and, and screaming like a pop star when he came out of the water. Uh, and they paid them all for doing it, of course, because nobody in their right mind would do otherwise. But this, this kind of nonsense went on and on and on. But now he's found what he's really here for. And I couldn't believe it, too, or I can believe it, I suppose. The Daily Mail came out and said this. It says, this is what Prince Charles says. My duty is to save the world. His duty is, well, as you another Jesus Christ, you know. Remember, too, one of his titles is, is, used to be Defender of the Faith. And he changed it a few years back to Defender of Faiths, you see. But here he says his duty is to save the world. Prince Charles believes he was born for a purpose. I'm glad somebody, all these years, all these aides been trying to find a purpose for, for Charles. And lo and behold, out of the mouth of morons comes the answer himself. It says, the Prince of Wales says he believes he has been placed on earth as future king for a purpose, to save the world. Yep. Giving a fascinating insight into his view of his inherited wealth and influence, he said, I can only somehow imagine that I find myself being born into this position for a purpose. I, want, I don't want my grandchildren or yours to come along and say to me, why the hell didn't you come and do something about this? You knew what the problem was. That is what motivates me. He's as clear as mud, Charles. He always was, you know. I wanted to express something in the outer world that I feel inside. We seem to have lost that understanding of the whole of nature and the universe as a living entity. So here we are back into the Gaia thing and the the world and the universe is a living entity. But remember, in all living entities in the mystery religion, uh, there are superior types that look after it uh, and little maggot types like Zuki talked about at the bottom, like the, that's all of us, of course. And now he's a, a green champion, of course. It's so funny, too, because he, they also gave him a job in architecture, just complaining and going around talking about the terrible housing that was getting built and stuff, and how he was so concerned about architecture and uh, sustainability. And one of, one of his companies that he owns was buying up one of these fast food chains, and you'd see these places, I mean, the most ugly-looking things you'd ever see in your life. And very sustainable, of course, as he pumped out all these burgers and stuff. Anyway, uh, here you are, uh, an, an absolute, oh, I can't get the words for it, actually. I'd probably get sued for, get, for getting too close to the truth. However, this character is such a, oh, what can you say? What can you say? I can, I can remember when the media were talking about his marriage uh, to Diane Spencer of the Spencer family. And the cartoons in the paper at that time were big ears and noddy. That's what they had of him and her, you know. It was quite something else. But this guy spent his whole life going across the world playing polo. You know, whacking a ball that used to represent a head at one, one time. That's what, that's where he spent his life. 
he's had his Rolls Royce ferried by aircraft across the other continents when he was telling everybody else to cut back on their driving and gasoline use. I mean, utter hypocrite. Utter. It's amazing when you go into King James and other ones who talked about the divine right of kings and how they were God's representative on earth. It was just like the English version of the papacy. Uh, and they really believed it. These kings really believed it. And people used to come up to them and touch their cloak, hoping to be cured. That's no kidding. That's no kidding at all. But Charlie Boy here really has taken things to heart, and now he's got these delusions of grandeur. It just shows you a few a few aides around him uh, pumping things into his, his fragile head, and away he goes with a, a delusion of grandeur. Quite some, something that you and I would get locked up for if you said you're here to save the world. Hey? So I'm back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Just looking at the farce of life when they, they find gophers who really have incredible egos and put them up in the limelight and, and, and they, they, they open their mouths and their belly rumbles and out comes these amazing statements of how they're here to save the world and stuff like that. But they'll use anybody you see, especially celebrities, because our world has been training us to worship celebrities for an awful long time. An awful long time. Back in the 50s, in fact, uh, different parts of the big institutions said that eventually um, the, the celebrities would become more famous than the politicians and the people would listen to them. Therefore, they'd hire celebrities to go forth with different ideas for social change. And they've been doing that all along, of course. And it doesn't matter if you've got a pea brain or not. It doesn't matter as long as they're a celebrity. They'll use them for anything. Uh, and it's that Starsuckers video I've mentioned quite a few times. It keeps getting pulled off the, the web. But uh, Starsuckers was put up by BBC4, I believe. And they go through this whole technique of uh, how the people are conditioned, incredibly conditioned to, by the media. And they, they show you examples of how they can set up little stalls and shopping malls and literally get parents to sign their children down for life. Uh, as potential movie stars and so on. So they have the rights to their photographs for, for, for now until the, the child grows up and eventually dies uh, and do ridiculous things with the parents who are just starstruck by the thought of their child being in movies and stuff like that, which is all a, a farce, of course. And it also shows you in that documentary how the media has very few journalists today. They take handouts straight from the big uh, Madison Avenue companies the public relations companies, uh, and put them straight into the newspapers, with often without a name or they'll put their own name on it. Uh, so really the PR companies give you what you think now is your news. And it's been like that for quite a long time. Uh, a little bit about Australia too, because the world is global now, you see, and with the agenda, whatever happens in one part of the agenda, uh, to do with whatever it is will happen across the world at the same time. Just like 9-11 happened and every country came out with the same anti-terrorism bill at the same time. Uh, exact same anti-terrorism bill. So when anything happens in one side of the world, it's happening somewhere else too. 
um, because we're, after all, we're global. We want to go into the global plantation very quickly. This article here is about from Australian newspaper. It says, population puzzle divides experts. So now they're openly talking about population sizes and so on and sustainability. And this is August the 1st, 2010. Sustainability and population have become buzzwords of this, this year's campaign, but experts, again experts, you don't have to name who the experts are, are divided on the merits of any halt to the numbers of people living in Australia. So they've labor there, which is the red party, they have red for their ties and so on. The coalition of the Greens, so there's the Greens, of course the Conservatives are the Blues, and people don't even think about this, it's amazing, you know. Um, all have reviews of population policy as part of their election platforms. Neither the Reds, the Labour, or the Greens are willing to talk about the size of possible cuts to immigration, while the coalition has said it would reduce the annual migration intake within three years from 277,000 to 170,000, which you know they're not going to do. They won't do that. And um, they've also got a new Prime Minister, I believe, a, a woman who is a lifelong Fabian, uh, just like the ones before her, and the agenda goes on. Remember, that the Fabian logo used to be a wolf with uh, sheep's clothing. That was their official logo. And folks never, ever get it. Never get it. The Fabian Society is so important, one of the biggest arms, in fact, of this whole global governance system, and it's attached to the Royal Institute of International Affairs, who often appoint to uh, to be the leaders of the Fabian as members. Now, this isn't the article here too on bushfires in Australia. Now, we, back in the sixties, there were international meetings going on by the big boys, and they talked about ways of getting people off the land into the cities because that's always been a mandate of theirs: depopulate the rural areas and get them into the major cities. China, when it became communist, did exactly the same thing. They started taking off as many as they could off the land and putting them into the cities. Britain had done it before when Rothschild passed the corn laws, dumped all the foreign grain on the markets, put all the farmers under, and the the farmers all ended up going into the big cities. Same technique over and over. But uh, there's still a lot of folk like to live on their own, out in the bush, and rough it and take their chances. And at the meet- this meeting in the 1960s, um, a person asked the question, well, uh, what about the folk who won't go and get off the land? He says, we'll burn them off. This is the same meeting where they, they talked about uh, the introduction of cancers into society by various means. Uh, we know it's inoculations now. And they said, well, the folk are going to die of something. It might as well be cancer. But anyway, here's an article here from Australia on fires. And it's his... Um, the bushfires royal commission, a royal commission is like a royal inquiry they put out there for old judges that are falling off their benches with the booze and they give them a couple of years before they retire with very high salaries to go around and listen to these um, reports on a particular topic. And then they write up their commission or they get their aides to write up a commission. It says the bushfires royal commission's final report has thrown two bombs at the state government with recommendations that aging power lines, that's your, your, your power lines, electric lines, that are overhead, over uh, on poles, be bundled for safety or buried underground, and that a housing buyback scheme be introduced in fire-trapped communities, they call them fire-trapped communities now, 
to gradually, to gradually depopulate them and reduce the risk of another mass tragedy. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. Just talking about uh, the bushfires in Australia. You know, most bushfires, big bushfires in, even in Canada that have happened over the last 10 years or so or more were started by the Department of Forestry Commission as they do what they call controlled burns. They tried one a few years ago uh, in conjunction with, uh, I think it was Washington State and British Columbia. And they started in Washington State and it blew up north and uh, it got out of control, this controlled burn, and ended up burning for about two or three years. But uh, that's okay because when the government puts up and burns thousands of, of hectares, uh, that's holy smoke, you see. That's holy carbon, holy smoke. When you do it with, with your little fire in your chimney, oh, that's bad smoke. That's bad smoke, you see. But holy smoke is, is been, has been blessed by government, you see. Maybe Prince Charles did it, who knows. But anyway, getting back to Australia here, it said here uh, that uh, they want to basically depopulate these areas. And it says depopulate them. And they've also recommended that the amount of public land burned every year in these so-called fire hazard areas be tripled to, to, to 385,000 hectares that the government will burn which is 5% of Victoria, uh, the public land. It says, Another key finding is that the controversial steer-goal policy is fundamentally sound, but in need of a major overhaul and should include a comprehensive evaluation, evacuation strategy. But the most controversial recommendation is that the government adopt a retreat and settlement approach to communities with an unacceptably high risk of bushfire. Buying back people's property would not be compulsory, but over time would remove residents from the most risky areas. So, it, it does make you wonder really what's happening. So in British Columbia, you get this problem, you get the same problems in, in Australia in some areas, and uh, and this one here is, is about a royal commission, as I say. It's amazing how you can put one from one country to another country in their identical reports, basically. And he's another crazy one, too. We know they're trying to put farmers under. They've been putting them under for years and years and years with regulations until they can't farm anymore. And only the big agri-food businesses that have the massive, these massive farms will be left to operate. That is the agenda, of course. No family farms left. That's what they want, no family farms. And the EPA is going to crack down, no, no kidding, on farm dust. I don't, know, I don't know if you've been to a farm. Most folk, folk in the cities maybe think all food comes from the grocery store, but the fact is you have to go to a farm to see how it operates and how fields work and how the farm trails work and all the rest of it. And you'll see the dust even when you bring in crops and with machinery. Uh, and they're, they're trying to literally pass a law. The Youth Environmental Protection Agency it wants to crack down on farm dust, no kidding, uh, as, as a, a hazard to people's health. 
So what are they going to do with it? Are they going to cover it with plastic or something? Maybe cover all the, the dirt roads with plastic, or maybe they'll have to buy extra water uh, from the water conserva- conservation societies, buy the water and um, put that down as well, maybe, uh, uh, to keep the dust out. Who knows, eh? Maybe they should just use the, the weather warfare techniques and get lots of rain over the farms like they've done in the past to put them under as well. They did that in the way in Alberta a few years back. They flooded them all out. Same in the breadbasket of the U.S. happened at the same time. Only those areas were getting flooded. Lots of spraying at the time too. But that's the way of the future. I can remember even um, when Margaret Thatcher was in in Britain, they made it so impossible for small businesses to survive. The small businessmen, they put most of them under with red tape and forms they fill out all day long for everything. You would not believe it. Because they wanted only the big corporations to survive. That, and of course they can hire as many accountants and so on as they wish to, whole panels of them. But the average little person can't do that. You can't have someone sitting there all the time just doing uh, paperwork for the government. That's the agenda. That's always been the agenda. Do away with all private businesses and bring in the international corporations in every single area. And that's, that includes farming. You know, most folk go through the Depression, the Great Depression in the 20s and 30s, uh, because there were so many private little farms scattered all around the major cities. And folk would go out and trade and barter uh, and ex- bring some sugar up in exchange for some oatmeal or something like that. That's how they worked it, or got vegetables. You go around outside the major cities today, and you'll see just old buildings falling apart or knocked down altogether. They've done away with so many small farms. Under the NAFTA agreement, of course, we do know that... Um, uh, ...South America... As to end up, especially Chile, they've been setting up Chile now for almost 15 years to produce most of the vegetables required for the reduced population there will be in the Americas when they're finished. Uh, and we're paying for all with our taxes through NAFTA for the private companies. The big five agribusinesses are down there, been down there for 15 years setting it all up. And the craziness goes on and on, but it's not crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy like a fox, as they say. They know exactly where they're heading. I've mentioned before, too, that under this world government system in the United Nations, uh, they're doing away with your postal uh, county addresses, even your your province or state addresses, and you're left just with your, your street address and your new region uh, number, and that's it. This article here is from BBC. It says, Royal Mail is set to delete counties from addresses. They've already done it in a few places in Britain. And uh, they've been consulting on a plan to delete country, uh, counties from the 28 million strong address database used by companies and public bodies. It follows complaints by customers to Postal Watchdog uh, Postcom about the use of out-of-date county names. And that's nonsense. You know, they, they always say that, all oh, customers, yeah, well, sure. They complained. Customers complained about nothing. <laughs> such as North Humberside, Dyfed, and Gwynedd. Uh, any changes which will not happen until at least 2013 will not affect deliveries, experts say. The experts say. 
it's wonderful that now Russell said we'd be trained to listen to experts and now they just have to put the word there in there, experts say eh? it's like a holy priesthood, it's like the highest priesthood of all experts say eh? and that's good enough for us isn't it good enough for most folk now the Heinz company is amazing the Heinz company used to fascinate me, fascinate me when I was a child because the massive advertising they did, massive is to try to get women, and at that time they had the occasional wife still, still working at home and looking after children, a rather old-fashioned idea. And, but they wanted to get them used to the fast foods as well and to make sure their children grew up very unhealthy and stuff like that, which happened very, very well, actually. And Heinz were making uh, soups, and, of course, their beans was a big special one, too full of the, the things that addict you to going back to eating their own beans and stuff like that. You get the, the, the same things that the Chinese put in their foods, highly addictive, penetrates the skull. Not the skull, maybe the skull too, who knows? Definitely affects your brain. But it uh, penetrates the tongue uh, very deeply, and that's where you, you get this, this taste from. And that's these beans and, and so on are loaded with this stuff. All of these fast foods are. But... Um, it says here they're changing from their tin cans uh, to plastic. Isn't it amazing they're changing to plastic at a time when it's been the first time that people have managed to come out and say, look, plastics are causing a lot of problems because of the phthalates and bisphenol A's and so on. The, the estrogen mimickers, they are literally uh, synthetic estrogens. So here they are putting this stuff into into the food supply, for, again, mainly for young children who get hooked on baked beans and stuff like that. So they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing as they bring us down and down and down. It's all part of it. Nothing to do with um, better packaging or whatever. Why would, you, whatever you, why would you pour hot stuff, which has to get poured hot into that stuff, into these cans, these plastic ones with screw tops, guaranteeing the bisphenol leach, it leaches out very quickly, and little Johnny or Jenny will eat it, and uh, both of them actually get altered in not very nice ways, although it's, it's approved today. So transsexually, that's speaking that is. Another one too, another article from Global, and it shows you how stupid people are, and people are stupid, but we've all been trained to be stupid, you see, through television and and again, too, you've got anthropologists constantly studying us, constantly studying us and, and working out little patterns of behavior for the Rand Corporation and Madison Avenue and so on to see how we behave and they give a stimulus response and they sit back and watch us. But the, the big marketing companies have always been in the business of behavior modification to get their products sold for their clients. But it says here, is your detergent stocking you? Brazil is using Omo. That's one of the big, the, the big um, washing companies for for, for uh, washing soaps. They're using GPS to follow customers back home. Uh, with the constellation, you get a prize if they, they come to your home. See, there's going to be a prize involved. Otherwise, you say, oh, that's ridiculous. They're going to get stocked. You know, you're going to get stocked all the way back to your house. It says, New York, uh, Unilever's Omo detergent is adding an unusual ingredient to its two-pound detergent box in Brazil, a GPS device that allows its promotions agency Bullet to track shoppers and follow them to their front doors. 
The start next week, the consumers who buy one of the GPS implanted detergent boxes will be surprised at home, given a pocket video camera as a prize and invited to bring their families to enjoy a day of Unilever-sponsored outdoor fun. <laughs> See, this whole thing is an ad in itself, right into the paper. The promotion is called Try Something New with Omo, is in keeping with the brand's international dirt-is-good positioning that encourages parents to let their children have a good time, even if they get dirty. But it says here, even if you live in a multi-high-rise, they'll, they can find the floor no problem and come right to your door and knock on it and so on and tell you there's a tracking device inside and they'll follow you all the way home, regardless of where you live. And But don't worry, you see, you're the one that's going to get the prize, supposedly. Even though you get half the soap powder in it, it says that too. There's only a little bit of soap powder in the box. The rest of it is a GPS tracking device. And folk will go for that rather than say, hey, uh, I'm going to sue you for false advertising. I wanted a full box of of uh, what it says on here, so many grams of soap powder here. Instead of getting the silly plastic thing that tracks you. But folk won't do that. They'll, they'll wait for the little prize coming along and be quite happy with that. Quite happy. Now, maybe uh, six months, it could be a year ago, I don't know, I I read an article of this little spoiled rich kid, this little, this girl who was off with her boyfriend uh, for ecological purposes. I don't think she had any, any actual experience in anything or any qualifications, but she obviously had the right uh, connections to get little articles put in newspapers and stuff. And she had something about how it would be so wonderful if we'd all start eating insects. Well, she said that she was back spending thousands of bucks getting her boyfriend her teeth all kept. And uh, and, I, and I read it on the air, and then when after I read it on the air, it was pulled immediately that night, like a lot of them are. And I managed to find another um, link to where it had been printed somewhere else, so I'll, I'll try and drag that out tonight. Now, here's an article here from that front group, Popular Science. Popular Science's job is to make you, thinking, make you think that you're living on the cutting edge by giving you the most up-to-date information on where science really is, where in reality they keep you 50, 60, 100 years in the past, because whatever they announce they're working on or or hoping to to, to do one day has been done long ago. That's how it works, you see. But here you go. Humanity needs to start farming bugs for food, says United Nations policy paper. So I guess that little spot rich kid eventually did get something uh, maybe a grant from the United Nations for a great idea, who knows and it says that the raising of livestock consumes two thirds of the planet's farmland, it's all eco this and eco that, and it's a major source of greenhouse gases <laughs> meanwhile tons of edible sustainable protein swarms around us, free for the taking, in a new policy paper being considered by the UN's Food and Agriculture Organization, and that's one of the most dangerous organizations within the UN by the way, because food is one of the greatest weapons you can use on a, a, a world, they've used it on nations before, to bring them down, and now they're, they're, they're believe you me, now they want to all eat bugs, as, as they get the cattle off, all the meat products off, because they say, oh, it's unsustainable, and all that methane, and all that utter rubbish, you see. So, uh, the Belgian entomologist Arnold van Hoos makes a sensible recommendation, sensible, that the Western world eat more insects. So here we have Prince Charles going to save the world, and here's this nutcase, Arnold Van Hoos, uh, making a sensible recommendation that we start eating bugs. Eh? This is mainstream, folks. 
So farming edible insects like mealworms and crickets would produce far less greenhouse gas, 10 times less methane, and 100 times less nitrous oxide. I love how they can just grab these figures out the air, just like Malthus did with his Essian population and so on, you know. It says, in the large mammals we currently farm, insects are metabolically more efficient, it says, which makes them far cheaper to feed and raise. And since they're so biologically different from humans, they're less subject to contagious disease scares like mad cow, which I don't think existed in the first place. That prionine idea that they could never find. They are high in protein and calcium, and with over 1,000 edible species, offer plenty of delicious variety. Can you believe this? Can you believe this utter tripe here? This, this garbage they're throwing in our faces here? I hope they get a plague of lice all over the UN and let them eat it off themselves and get rid of it that way. But yeah, bring down a... I should ask Prince Charles, since he's got the delusions of grandeur and he's the saviour of the world, to bring down a plague of lice on the United Nations for coming out with this utter rubbish. Hmm. How about that? Have a nice video to watch, wouldn't it? But anyway, society has really gone down with the culture industry. Now, remember I've talked before about intergenerational sex, which is what the paedophiles like to use as a term, uh, rather than paedophilia. Paedophilia has bad connotations, so they call it intergenerational sex, you see. And bestiality, too. They've even written reports about it. If it doesn't hurt the animal, etc., etc., it's quite okay. Well, how does an animal, for God's sake, tell you it's okay? I mean, who asked the animal? Eh? I mean, does it speak your language? But anyway, that's beside the point. This is another step towards uh, legitimizing intergenerational sex, which they did discuss at the International Sensory Census Board Commission uh, in 2001, about a month before the towers went down. They said they'd won the rights for homosexuality and so on. Now it's time to push for bestiality and intergenerational sex. I'll read this article when I come back from this break. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. Just bring some reality to light behind all the nonsense of the media and what they're really up to. Uh, and it's how media also presents different articles uh, as either funny or or whatever. Uh, they also tell you when to be angry at something and and when to still laugh at something. And uh, you can't trust them on anything because there's always another uh, reason that they're pushing whatever they're pushing. Here's an article here about pole dancing for nine-year-olds, and it's from the UK. And it's the 30th, 30th of July. It says, forget football, athletics, and ballet classes. What about pole dancing class for children? Uh, it says, the Up Your Pole Club in Lanarkshire, Scotland, has launched a pole dancing class for children aged 9 to 16. Now, pole dancing is the, the strippers thing. That's what they, they fly around there and, and, and spin and all that kind of stuff and, and caress as though it was something else, you know. Um, 
but this, this is what they're introducing for nine-year-olds. Now, people won't be shocked anymore because, you see, the children have already watched much music and music television where they've had all of their um, latest sexual updates from and transgender things. In fact, I think it was MTV were just given some award or they rated the top one for pushing transgenders and different different all types of categories of alternate whatever. But anyway, it says here, um, an established pole dancing school since 2002, the Upper Pole Club, is keen to promote the potential fitness benefits. Fitness, you see. Uh, hour-long lessons cost five pounds and focus on strength, balance, flexibility, and gymnastics-based uh, moves in a safe and fun environment. So it's a kind of ad, written like an ad, according to its website. It's not just wiggling around a pole. This is fitness and spe- specifically body conditioning and strength training. Sure. <laughs> But the move has sparked outrage among child care campaigners, with one claiming the classes verge on child pornography. Well, child, you know, I can see the, 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 them getting eventually their intergenerational sex because, because society's been so jaded and we adapt to being jaded. And when you're jaded, you want you the next, next thrill and Hollywood will chuck out the next thrill for you which goes was a step further than the last rule. And, and you go on and on and on from there. For instance, after that, uh, that meeting in 2001, there was two or three movies churned out uh, with boys in baths with elderly women. And it was okay because, you see, he was really the incarnation of her dead husband and stuff like that. That's how they put it through, like a semi-comedy and stuff and so on, to get you used to the whole idea. Because intergenerational sex is... Definitely on the cards. That's part of the big mandate as well. And uh, uh, because the ones at the top really are, are the world's oldest perverts. You just look at the top families down through the, the, the generations and see how the Caligulas uh, acted and see how the Neros acted and all the rest of them. See how they were when they ran ancient Greece at the top and all down the histories since then. It hasn't, it has never changed. It's never changed. They're, uh, they're called the deviant creation. And the deviant creation has been in charge of this whole agenda, in fact, for an awful long time. Psychopathic. But they certainly use the experts to condition us to accept everything that they want us to accept, creating their society for them to live in. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you. <laughs>